Welcome, everybody, to episode number 17 on Unspeakable Bliss. This video is also going to be uploaded to my new YouTube channel. I moved everything from an old one to a new one for a technical reason that I don't need to get into. Uh, there's six subscribers now. You could be subscriber number seven or eight or nine or maybe even 10 at uh, YouTube. I don't know if it's a forward slash or backslash, but my handle on YouTube, I just uh, changed it to the same as my Instagram name. That's Christopher W. Kent. So youtube.com slash, don't know if that's forward or backslash Christopher W. Kent. That's also my Instagram handle where you can message me. Uh, you can message me there, direct message me, or email me for the following at openyourheartmindbody at gmail.com. That's openyourheartmindbody. I know that's a mouthful. Openyourheartmindbody at gmail.com for the following. Uh, for university, which... Uh, is a course where we dive into the different assumptions that we make about ourselves, reality. And uh, the idea is to help us orient ourselves and make sense of our lives and to thrive. Uh, I also have two one-on-one -on -one spots available. So reach out to me to work on this on a longer term basis with folks that jive with this episode. You can reach out to me at Instagram, on the Instagram at my uh, handle that I mentioned at Christopher W. Kent, or email me, uh, openyourheartmindbody at gmail.com saying why you'd want to uh, participate in university. That's Y-O-U, you university, or if you want one of those one-on-one -on -one spots to work with me. Now that I've got my own advertising out of the way, today's episode, my guest is none other than myself, myself. So what I'm going to be sharing with you all is something that I'm kind of half jokingly calling the law of inseparability, the theory of inseparability, the hypothesis of inseparability. And I don't really know whether to call it a law or a hypothesis or a theory because, uh, well, I will, <laughs> I will get into that when I start to describe it. And I want to set some context for it before I get into the material as to how this has arose recently. And by the way, I believe the consequences, the results of you, of someone understanding this, not only intellectually, but or how to say it, recognizing, seeing, knowing in their experience, in their own being that this is the truth. Uh, well, those that I have seen 
who appear to embody that. And I can speak for myself too. It seems that there's a great deal of peace, happiness, interconnection, joy available when this is understood and a large decrease in psychological suffering. So that's what the implications of this are. I don't know that many people that overtly disagree with this uh, sort of claim this hypothesis, I'll just go with that for now, the hypothesis of inseparability. But either way, it's interesting to consider this this perspective. And I am very open to criticism, critique. Uh, if there's something that I'm sharing that I'm missing or not, not getting right or where I'm missing the mark, I want to know about that. So please let me know in the comments if you, uh, if there's something that you've come across that can add to the completeness of what I'm sharing, or maybe tell me where I'm missing something very open to that. That's the whole idea of university and the one-on-one -on -one work is questioning our assumptions and seeing how maybe reality is not what we thought it was. And uh, a whole large part of it is comes from the heart. And so I feel like I can't necessarily articulate that with, with words. So a combination of being and doing, I could say that, I guess. Okay, so background information. A friend of mine who lives in Costa Rica, uh, he and I go back and forth exchanging philosophical ideas and and how they relate to our real world and how these different beliefs that people have relate to our day-to-day -day lives. And the thing that he asked me, he said, why would that which created everything, we were using the word God, but whatever it is that is responsible for creating everything, why would it create everything uh, including suffering? Why, why create? I understood his question in another way. If you could have left that out, creator, why would you have included suffering? What is the purpose and point of suffering? And I consulted uh, a teacher that I admire that I really like because I couldn't I couldn't really grapple grapple with or understand the question from my own perspective, at least at that time. I've come into a fuller understanding of it. That's why I'm creating this podcast and sharing this with you all now. So I consulted Rupert Spira, a teacher on Advaita, non-duality, essentially. Uh, and basically, I'll frame this up. I'm actually going to leave that there and maybe we'll come back to it after I draw out this little diagram of sorts and share this with you. So for those just listening, 
if you're on YouTube or Spotify, you should have video access or YouTube, obviously. If not, you can head over there to see this diagram. And if you're not listening, well, yeah, I think you should be able to paint the picture in your head because I'll be narrating what I'm drawing. So piece of paper. I could very well not write anything on this to describe this, but what fun would that be? I'm going to put a dangerous three-letter word to be talking about. And that's God. And that's you, listener. And that's me. And all of the universe. Here's what it looks like. Very simple diagram. You got God, you got me, you got you, and you got all of the universe. Now, the way I understand God, and here's where the paradoxes begin. How should I know? How should my friend know? How should Rupert Spira? How should anybody know what life is like from that perspective? Because it's, to me, mysterious. I've got this, this idea of God and what the nature of that is. And even that, I'm already starting to bestow definitions around God, like quantifying God as mysterious. So let's talk about these assumptions. As far as I know, and here's where I start to think about my own conditioning and education and how that's influencing even what I'm saying right now, but I'm just going to say it anyway. So God is responsible for everything, everything that has been created. Um, so that would include me, that would include you, and that would include all of the universe. And so how could there be anything, if, if that is what God is, don't know, don't know, but if that is what God is, there could be nothing outside of that. That is a profound understanding, at least to me, because then that would mean me, even, even if I don't remember being united or one with God or the creator at all times, infinitely. I don't have that memory. Maybe some people do. I don't. But what that means is... First of all, this piece of paper is extending infinitely in all directions. And this is what created it. This is an aspect of it made of the same material that that's made out of. It's made of, it's not like God got material somewhere else. Where else would there be? There is nowhere else, right? What, what, what would I be missing here? And I think my friend brought this to my attention. He said, maybe there are some Christians that, um, we'll say that they're separate from God. And I, I agree to the extent that I don't remember being that. 
I'm not saying that that is what I am now, but yet if by, by logic and, and reason and rationality, if anything that created that, me, you, all the rest of the universe is a pattern or the same material as that, then in a sense, yes, I am one with it, or I'm an aspect of it or part of it, inseparable. How can there be anything separate? Even this, this apparent separation from that, how could we ever say that we are in a fundamental, essential way separate from God? I remember thinking about this when I was a little kid. And to me, a lot of something, some things become obvious and obviously I wanna treat others as I wanna be treated and to be as caring and generous and loving and real and true to myself and all others because they're all, we're all made of God. And if not, if this is, this is why I don't even need to necessarily get into, I don't, Christianity or Buddhism or Advaita Vedanta or non-duality, we're all is somehow a pattern of this, this creator, even, even in, a, in a polytheistic world where it's not just one God and there's multiple gods, I guess this is what I can't get around seeing differently. Even if there's other universes, let's say there's multiple gods, multiple universes. How can there be anything outside of everything? And that's why I said the paper would be extending infinitely in all directions and on all planes, it wouldn't just be two dimensional. How can there be anything if, if what we're defining God as is the creator of all creator. People might say, well, you have creator and created. Then I would say, well, what is the creator made out of? Oh, well, the creator, what is the created made out of? Oh, well, the creator, where's the material coming from? How can God have anything outside himself, itself, herself, their self? And so this is where there's this paradox and anthropomorphizing. I'm anthropomorphizing God to have uh, the ability to create like I'm, I'm capable of because if I'm going to be uh, honest, this is where I'm stumped. So go, yeah, well, okay. So I'm not, there's something different, diff still made out of the same material, but different than this God. And this, this, there's, different than, but made of the same thing. Okay, so now I'll circle back to what I began to say. I talked to Rupert Spira about this in one of his meetings. And 
he clarified an analogy. Uh, I found an old video, it was like eight years old of his, where he said, God knows nothing of suffering. And he said that now he's more careful how he qualifies his words, which is perfect because basically what he said was, and how he defines God is infinite consciousness, infinite awareness. And here's the really funny part, everything <laughs> according to this uh, Advaita Vedanta, which is non-duality, and his training, his learning has been with Kashmir, Shaivism, and Tantra, uh, which is, as far as I understand it, knowing, seeing, feeling, experiencing God, the divine, in, in form, not rejecting form. There's some, some um, sometimes there's a rejection of form. There's no rejection of form here. And so that's what I can't wrap my mind around. I'm like, if all form is God, how can God not know about suffering? How can there be anything that God doesn't know about if all of it is simply made of him? And the way he responded was awesome. He said, uh, God is like Beethoven at the end of his life. He create, He wrote all of his music, but he couldn't hear any of it. And I didn't understand when he first said that. So he gave me a couple more metaphors, examples. Essentially, he said the only way God knows of suffering is through the finite temporary mind. So through my mind, through other human beings' minds, that can be known, but only, only partially in a sense. And here, here was his explanation, which I still, I might want to go back and ask him about this whole inseparability thing too. Because it's just, I get to a point where maybe I reach the end, the sort of limitation of the rational mind, where, yeah, I have a hard time answering some of these questions. But anyway, one of the examples that he gave was, he said, take this glass of water. If you, or if, if God, he said, if God were to defined as infinite consciousness and awareness, be looking at this, it would be looking at this glass simultaneously from all directions because it's non-local. And then the glass would just be superimposed on itself and look like a blackout or look like nothing, something like that. And then he clarified saying that it is only through uh, a limited perspective, i.e. when there is subject and object, when there's perceiver and perceived, through the finite mind, the finite and temporary mind that God can know suffering. Because the ironic part is, is this glass and you and me and the finite mind is all made of God. So it's, it's somehow an appearing modulation or pattern of God, something like that.
There's something about all of this that just seems right, accurate, true. And there's that element of love. Hmm. Well, I can't really say anything about the nature of everything. <laughs> I could see how sort of hopeless it is. It reminds me of the poem that I wrote. Hopelessly free, no getting outside of that which you are not inside of. No getting inside of that which you are not outside of. Hopelessly free being you. Maybe the mind can't know this fully, totally. Maybe that's okay. Maybe it's not about knowing. Maybe it is about being, being still. It is a mystery to me. What is there to be afraid of? If it's all ourself. Tigers and bears. it does make sense to me that those fears that arise on behalf of our physical safety are natural responses, reactions.
at the end of Ramana Maharshi's life his followers were upset that he was dying he said to him oh Bhagavan what are we going to do without you <laughs> and it had almost been as if they were missing his entire message, his whole life, which is, you are that. You are an aspect. You are the ocean in one drop. And a drop in the ocean. And uh, he responded saying, where could I go? Where could I go? as though he knew, felt that his essence, his being wasn't going anywhere. And what if that's, what if that's, what if that's the truth? What if our true nature really is peace, happiness, joy? And there is no separate self. I would like to find that out. And then I can see my mind imagining that that is not here and that I'm on the mission on the way there to achieve and find out and see that in the future. God forbid it's here and now. So this is uh, generally what the university, UYOU, university is about. It's a, basically the college course that I wish I had. In part, I did have it in the philosophy courses. My one philosophy professor, he said, the only reason someone would want to study philosophy is if they want to live a happy life. That and acting is where my student loans went. <laughs> but this is far less than um, the cost of a real, real college course. So uh, if this resonated with you, if you were interested in working in, in the group setting in university, it's open enrollment. You can just send me a email sharing with me why you would like to join. And then I will reply to you with how to join. And uh, I also have two, like I said at the beginning of this episode, two one-on-one -on -one spots to dive deeply with two beings that are interested
in exploring the nature of their being and orienting themselves. around who and what they really are. All right, this completes episode 17 on unspeakable bliss. Sort of an extemporaneous rambling. I hope that you enjoyed it. Let me know how or if this episode Tickled your fancy, and I will see you when I'm looking at you on the, the next episode of Unspeakable Bliss. Good night, everyone.